Hey everyone, and welcome back for the Curious Dragon podcast. So for our look at astrology, this is part two and follows directly on. I decided to put astrology into two parts as this subject would not have fitted into just one episode due to a lot of information. So now we carry straight on with Chinese and East Asia astrology. The Chinese astrology uses the concepts such as yin and yang, the five phases, the 10 celestial stems, the 12 earthly branches, and Shizen. The early use of Chinese astrology was mainly confined to political astrology, the observation of unusual phenomena, also identification of portents, and the selection of auspicious days for events and decisions. The constellations of the zodiac of Western Asia and Europe were not used. Instead, the sky is divided into three enclosures, and 28 mansions in 12 C. The Chinese zodiac of 12 animal signs is said to represent 12 different types of personality. It is based on cycles of years, lunar months and two-hour periods of the day. The zodiac traditionally begins with the sign of the rat, and the cycle proceeds through 11 other animal signs. Ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. The complex systems of predicting fate and destiny is based on one's birthday, birth season, and the birth hours are still used regularly in modern-day Chinese astrology, but they do not rely on the direct observations of the stars. The Korean zodiac is identical to the Chinese one, and the Vietnamese zodiac is almost identical to the Chinese zodiac, except for the second animal is a water buffalo instead of the ox, Also, the fourth animal is the cat instead of the rabbit. The Japanese have, since 1873, celebrated the beginning of the new year on January the 1st, as per the Gregorian calendar. The Thai zodiac begins, not at Chinese New Year, but either on the first day of the fifth month in the Thai lunar calendar, or during the Songkran festival, depending on the purpose of the use. Theological viewpoints. St. Augustine 354-2430 believed that the determinism of, of astrology conflicted with the Christian doctrines of man's free will and responsibility, and God not being the cause of evil, but he grounded his opposition philosophically, citing the failure of astrology to explain twins who behave differently, although 
conceived at the same moment and then born at the same time. Medieval. Some of the practices of astrology were contested on the theological grounds by medieval Muslim astronomers such as Al-Farabias, Al-Hazan and also Avicenna. I'm sorry for the pronunciation of the names. They said that the methods of astrologers conflicted with orthodox religious views of Islamic scholars by suggesting that the will of God can be known and predicted in advance. For example, Avicenna, refutation against astrology, argues against the practice of astrology while supporting the principle that the planets may act as agents of divine causation. Avicenna considered that the movement of the planets influenced life on earth in a deterministic way, but he argued against the possibility of determining the exact influence of the stars. So, essentially, Avicenna did not deny the core dogma of astrology, but he denied our ability to understand it to the extent that precise and fatalistic predictions could be made from it. Modern times. The catechism of the Catholic Church maintaining that divination and including predictive astrology is incompatible with the modern Catholic beliefs, such as free will. It reads as follows. All forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history and, in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honour, respect and loving fear that we owe to God alone. The Catechism of the Catholic Church. Scientific Analysis and Criticism. The scientific community rejects astrology as having no explanation, nature powers for describing the universe, and also considers it a pseudoscience. So, Scientific testing of astrology has been conducted and, as yet, no evidence has been found to support any of the premises or purported effects outlined in the astrological traditions. There is no preposed mechanism of action by which the positions and motions of the stars and planets could affect people and also the events on Earth that does not contradict basic and well 
understood aspects of biology and physics. Those people who have faith in astrology have been characterised by scientists including Bart J. Bock as doing so in spite of the fact that there is no verified scientific basis for their beliefs and indeed that there is strong evidence to the contrary. Confirmation bias is a form of cognitive bias, a psychological factor that contributes to belief in astrology. Astrology believers tend to selectively remember predictions that turn out to be true and do not remember those that turn out false. And another separate form of confirmation bias also plays a role where believers often fail to distinguish between messages that demonstrate special ability and those that do not. So there are two distinct forms of confirmation bias that are under study with respect to astrological belief. Demarcation. Under the criterion of falsifiability, first proposed by the philosopher of science, Karl Popper, astrology is a pseudoscience. Popper regarded astrology as pseudo-empirical, in that it appears to observation and experiment, but nevertheless does not come up to scientific standards. In contrast to scientific disciplines, astrology has not responded to falsification through experiment. So, in contrast to Popper, the philosopher, the philosopher Thomas Kuhn argued that it was not lack of falsifiability that makes astrology unscientific, but rather that the process and concepts of astrology are non-empirical. Kuhn thought that through, the, through astrologers had historically made predictions that categorically failed. This in itself does not make astrology unscientific, nor do attempts by astrologers to explain away failures by claiming that creating a horoscope is very difficult. Rather, then, in Kuhn's eyes, astrology is not science, because it's always more akin to medieval medicine. Astrologers followed a sequence of rules and guidelines for a seemingly necessary field with known shortcomings, but they did no research because the fields are not amenable to research and so they had no puzzles to solve and therefore no science to practice. While an astronomer could correct for failure, an astrologer could not. An astrologer could only explain away failure but could not revise the astrological hypothesis in a meaningful way and so as such to Kuhn, even if the stars could influence the path of humans through life, astrology 
is not scientific. The philosopher Paul Farad asserts that astrology cannot be regarded as falsified in this sense until it has been replaced with a successor. In the case of predicting behaviour, psychology is the alternative. To Thagad, a further criterion of demarcation of science from pseudoscience is that the state of the art must progress and that the community of researchers should be attempting to compare the current theory to alternatives and not be selective in considering confirmations and disconfirmations. Progress is defined here as explaining new phenomena and solving existing problems. Yet astrology has failed to progress, having only changed little in nearly 2,000 years. To Thagad, astrologers are acting as though engaged in normal science, believing that the foundations of astrology were well established despite the many unsolved problems and in the face of better alternative theories like psychology. For these reasons, Thagard views astrology as pseudoscience. For the philosopher Edward W. James, astrology is irrational, not because of the numerous problems with mechanisms and also falsification due to experiments but because an analysis of the astrological literature shows that it is infused with fallacious logic and poor reasoning. What if throughout astrological writings we meet little appreciation of coherence, blatant insensitivity to evidence, no sense of a hierarchy of reasons, slight command over contextual force of criteria, stubborn unwillingness to purpose an argument where it leads, stark naivety concerning the efficacy of explanation and so on. We are perfectly justified in rejecting astrology as irrational. Astrology simply fails to meet the multifarious demands of legitimate reasoning by Edward W. James. Effectiveness. Astrology has not demonstrated its effectiveness in controlled studies and has no scientific validity. Where it has made falsifiable predictions under controlled conditions, they have been falsified. One famous experiment included 28 astrologers who were asked to match over a hundred natal charts to psychological profiles generated by the California Psychological Inventory. The double-blind experiment protocol used in this study was agreed upon by a group of physicists and a group of astrologers nominated by the National Council for Geocosmic Research. 
who advised the experimenters, so helped to ensure that the test was fair and helped draw the central proposition of natal astrology to be tested. They also chose 26 out of the 28 astrologers for the tests and a further two volunteered afterwards. When done, the study, published in Nature in 1985, found that predictions based on natal astrology were no better than chance and that the testing clearly refutes the astrological hypothesis. In 1955, the astrologer and psychologist Michael Colklin stated that through, though he had failed to find evidence that supported indicators like zodiacal signs and planetary aspects in astrology, he did find positive correlations between the diurnal positions of some planets and success in professions that astrology traditionally associates with those planets. The best known of Cogwin's findings is based on the position of Mars in the natal charts of successful athletes and so became known as the Mars effect. Then, in a study conducted by seven French scientists, attempted to replicate the claim but found no statistical evidence. They attributed the effect to selective bias on Gulgumin's part and accused him of attempting to persuade them to add or delete names from their study. Jeffrey Dean has suggested that the effect may be caused by self-reporting of birth dates by parents rather than any issue with the study by googling. The suggestion is that a small subject of the parents may have changed birth times to be consistent with better astrological charts for a related profession. The number of births under astrological undesirable conditions were all, was also lower indicating that the parents chose the dates and times to suit their beliefs. The simple the sample group sorry, was taken from a time where belief in astrology was more common. Gulin had failed to find the Mars effect in more recent populations where a nurse or doctor recorded the birth information. Jeffrey Dean, a scientist, and also a former astrologer and psychologist, Ivan Kelly conducted a large-scale scientific test that involved more than 100 cognitive, behavioural, physical and other variables, but found no support for astrology. Furthermore, a meta-analysis pooled 40 studies that involved 700 astrologers and over 1,000 birth charts. Ten of the tests, which involved 300 participants, had the astrologers pick the correct chart interpretation out of a number of other that were not the astrological correct chart interpretation, interpretation usually three to five others. 
when the date and other obvious clues were all removed, no significant results had suggested there was any kind of preferred chart. Lack of mechanisms and consistency. So, testing the validity of astrology can be difficult. Why? Because there is no consensus amongst the astrologers as to what astrology is or what it can predict. Most professional astrologers are paid to predict the future or to describe a person's personality and life. But most horoscopes only make vague, untestable statements that can apply to almost anyone. Many astrologers claim that astrology is scientific, while some have proposed conventional causal agents such as electromagnetism and gravity. Scientists have rejected these mechanisms as implausible, since, for example, the magnetic field, when measured from Earth, of a large but distant planet such as Jupiter is far smaller than, the, than that produced by an ordinary household appliance. Western astrology has taken the Earth's axial precession, also called precession of the equinoxes, into account since Ptolemy's Almechs. And so the First point of Aries, the start of the astrological year, continually moves against the background of the stars. The tropical zodiac has no connection to the stars and as long as no claims are made that the constellations are themselves are in the associated sign, astrologers avoid the concept that precession seemingly moves the constellations. Charpak and Broch Noting this, referred to astrology as being empty boxes that have nothing to do with anything and are devoid of any consistency or correspondence with the stars. Sole use of the tropical zodiac is inconsistent with references made by the same astrologers to the age of Aquarius, which depends on when the vernal point enters the constellation of Aquarius. Astrologers usually have only a small knowledge of astronomy and often do not take into account the basic principles such as the precession of the equinoxes which changes the position of the sun with time. They commented on the example on Elizabeth Tessier who claimed that the sun ends up in the same place in the sky on the same date each year, as the basis for claims that two people with the same birthday but a number of years apart should be under the same planetary influence. Charpak and Broch noted that there is a difference of about 22,000 miles between Earth's location on any specific date in two successive years and that they should not be under the same influence according to astrology. Over a 40-year period of time, there would be a difference greater than 780,000 miles. 
Cultural Impact, Western Politics and Society In the West, political leaders have sometimes consulted astrologers. For example, the British intelligence agency MI5 employed Louis de Waal as an astrologer after claims surfaced that Adolf Hitler used astrology to time his actions. At this time, the war office was interested to know what Hitler's own astrologers would be telling him from week to week. In fact, de Waal's predictions were so inaccurate that he was soon labelled a complete charlatan and later evidence shows that Hitler considered astrology complete nonsense. After John Hinckley's attempted assassination of US President Ronald Reagan, the First Lady, Nancy Reagan, commissioned astrologer Joan Quigley to act as the secret White House astrologer. However, Quigley's role ended in 1988, when it then became public through the memoirs of the former Chief of Staff, Donald Reagan. There was a boom in the interest of astrology in the late 1960s. The sociologist Marcello Truzzi described three levels of involvement of astrology believers to account for its revived popularity in the face of scientific discrediting. He found that most astrology believers did not claim it was a scientific explanation with predictive power. So, instead, those superficially involved and knowing next to nothing about astrology mechanics read newspaper astrology columns and could also benefit from the tension management of anxieties and also a cognitive belief system that transcends science. Those at the second level usually had their horoscopes cast and sought advice and predictions. They were much younger than those at the first level and could also benefit from knowledge of the language of astrology and the resulting ability to belong to a coherent and exclusive group. Those at the third level were highly involved and would usually cast horoscopes for themselves. Astrology provided this small minority of astrology believers with a meaningful view of their universe and gave them an understanding of their place in it. With this third group, they took astrology seriously, possibly as a sacred canopy, where, as the other two groups took it, playfully and irreverently. In 1953, the sociologist Theodore W. Adorno conducted a study of the astrology column of a Los Angeles newspaper as part of a project examining mass culture in capitalist society. Adorno believed the popular astrology as a device inevitably leads to statements that encouraged conformity and that astrologers who go against conformity by discouraging performances at work, etc., could risk losing their jobs. Uh, 
at dawn though concluded that astrology is a large-scale manifestation of systematic irrationalism where individuals are subtly led through flattery and vague generalizations to believe that the author of the column is addressing them directly. Adorno drew a parallel with the phrase Opium of the People by Karl Marx by commentating Occultism is the metaphysics of the dopes. In 2005, a Gallup poll and then a 2009 survey by the Pew Research Center reported that 25% of US adults believe in astrology. And according to the data released in the National Science Foundations 2014, science and engineering indicator study, fewer Americans rejected astrology in 2012 than in recent years. The NSF study noted that in 2012, slightly more than half of Americans said that astrology was not at all scientific, whereas nearly two-thirds gave this response in 2010. The comparable percentage has not been this low since 1983. India and Japan. In India, there is a long established and widespread belief in astrology. It is commonly used for daily life, particularly in matters concerning marriage and career, and also makes extensive use of electional, hore, and karmic astrology. Indian politics have also been influenced by astrology. It is still considered a branch of the Vedanga. In 2001, Indian scientists and politicians debated and critiqued a proposal to use state money to fund research into astrology. This resulted in permission for Indian universities to offer courses in Vedic astrology. In February 2011, the Bombay High Court reaffirmed astrology standing in India when it dismissed a case that challenged its status as a science. In Japan, a strong belief in astrology has led to dramatic changes in the fertility rate and the number of abortions in the years of fire horse. Adherents believe that women born in the in Quima years, are unmarriageable and can also bring bad luck to their father or husband. In 1966, the number of babies born in Japan dropped by over 25% as parents tried to avoid the stigma of having a daughter born of the Hinoquima year. Sorry for my pronunciation. In literature and music. The 14th century English poets John Gower and Geoffrey Chaucer both referred to astrology in their works, including Gower's Confessio Amantis and Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales. Chaucer commented uh, explicitly on astrology in his Treatise of the Astrology, demonstrating personal knowledge of one area. 
judicial astrology with an account of how to find the ascendant or rising sign. Then in the 15th century, references to astrology such as with similes now became a matter of course in English literature. In the 16th century, John Lyle's 1597 play, The Woman in the Moon, is wholly motivated by astrology, while Christopher Marlowe makes astrological references in his plays. Dr. Faustus and Tamburlaine, both 1590, and also there is Sir Philip Sidney, who refers to astrology at least four times in his romance, The Countess of Pembroke. Acadia, 1580. Edmund Spencer used astrology decoratively and and also casually in his poetry, revealing a mistakable and abiding interest in the art, an interest shared by a large number of his contemporaries. George Chapman's play, Byron's Conspiracy, 1608, similarly uses astrology as a causal mechanism in the drama. William Shakespeare's attitude towards astrology is unclear, with contradictory references in plays including King Lear, Antony and Cleopatra, and also Richard II. Shakespeare was familiar with astrology and made use of his knowledge of astrology in nearly every play he wrote, assuming a basic familiarity with the subject in his commercial audience. Outside of the theatre, the physician and mystic Robert Flood practised astrology and so did the quack doctor Simon Foreman. In Elizabethan England, the usual feeling about astrology was that it is the most useful of the sciences. In 17th century Spain, Lope de Bega who had a detailed knowledge of astronomy, wrote plays that ridiculed astrology. In his pastoral performance, La Arcadia, 1598, it leads to absurdity, and then in his novella, Guzman el Bravo, 1624, he concludes that the stars were made for man, not man for the stars. Calderon de la Baja wrote the 1641 comedy Astrologo Fingido, the pretend astrologer. The plot was borrowed by the French playwright Thomas Coniel for his 1651 comedy Faint Astrologue. The most famous piece of music that was influenced by astrology is the orchestral suite The Planets. Written by British composer Gustav Holtz, 1874-1934, and was first performed in 1918. The framework of the planets is based upon the astrological symbolism of the planets. Each of the seven movements of the suite is based upon a different planet, through the movements are not in the order of the planets from the sun. The composer, Colin Matthews, wrote an eighth movement entitled Pluto the, Pluto the Renewer, and this was first performed in 2000. 
1937, another British composer, Constant Lambert, wrote a ballet on astrological themes and it was called Horoscope. In 1974, the New Zealand composer Edwin Carr wrote The Twelve Signs, an astrological entertainment for orchestra without strings. Camille Paglia acknowledges astrology as an influence on her work of literary criticism, Sexual Personae, 1990, and also astro astrology features strongly in Eleanor Caton's The Luminary, sorry, uh, which was also a recipient of the 2013 Man Booker Prize. The end. Or is it? So, we have seen over these two-part podcasts that astrology has gone from a respected position to then being disowned by science, ripped apart by some notable names from history to be told that astrology is in decline. But the thing is, astrology has never exactly been on life support. Why is this? The answer is that people have had a love for astrology. Over the past 100 years, horoscopes have been in the newspapers and magazines. You can hear your stars on the radio and see astrologers on the TV. And there are loads of apps for your phone and tablet, not forgetting books. But not everyone will have an interest in reading or learning how to, to cast their own horoscopes. For myself, my own interest has been beyond and in the background history of the zodiac signs. Then one day at a friend's house, she places in front of me a big heavy book with 366 profiles of people born on those days. A psychological profile in detail of people. So I go to what is my birth date and read it multiple times and it's amazing. And you're left with the question, how can this be? So we will continue this course of research in a future podcast about this form of astrology. Before we finish, just want to say about Anchor. I make my podcast using Anchor on my mobile phone. When the episode is made, I can edit it before sharing my podcast to the world. And it's free. You don't have to pay a thing. See you next time.